everybody. Welcome to the Inland Valley uh, Art and Literature Show. Uh, I'm John Branningham, and I'm here with a, a cast of, of uh, kooks, uh, who, and we're all going to talk about uh, uh, the concept of art today, but I'll let everybody introduce themselves first. I'm Tim Hatch, and I'm going first because I interrupt people if I don't. <laughs> I'm Jeffrey Gressley because I was shocked by Tim. So I'll go next. I'm Ken oh, I'm <laughs> <laughs> the wisdom of Tim. <laughs> Let's go, Matt. Right. Matt's a deal. Um, oh, man. I'm the literary director of the doll. And Ken. I'm Ken Johnson. I'm a painter. Okay. All right. So we, uh, we, we, we gather each week and we take a look at an individual piece of art. But um, I didn't find any art this week. I just uh, I've had a busy busy week, and uh, so we thought we'd talk about a uh, philosophical question. And we were chatting before uh, the podcast, as we always do. We talk about matters of great import, and we have high philosophical discussions. That's just what we do as humans. Um, and uh, Ken brought up the idea that maybe we should talk about the nature of objective reality as it relates to art, and if there's any way, or maybe I should say to what degree there's any way that we can think of objective reality in art. Um, so um, maybe Ken, the, the, why don't I just put you on the spot? Okay. Um, I kind of um, brought this up because there's so much conversation lately in all areas about what we can believe, what we can know to be true, what can we contest what can what are we obligated to contest um when that slaps into the area of of aesthetic expression then it gets interesting because we have even less grounds for claiming a basis for knowledge so the so i'm kind of interested in that you know where this uh, kind of liminal state we've stumbled ourselves into culturally where it leaves us with something as specific as art in terms of the old the old issues of you know is is there such a thing as beauty is it relevant um do we have moral obligations for what we we show people um are we obligated to speak up or be quiet under certain circumstances? You know, these, these, these fundamental questions, which now are sort of, you know, the, the brick has been thrown into the pond about that. There's, there's circles of conversation and discussion and influence going in all directions at this point. So I thought it was kind of, it might be interesting to, to kind of, explore that further today from our various perspectives like that I, and I, I, I the the, uh, the one thing um, I'm I'm going to uh, complicate is so a couple of things you talked about you, t- you talked about in terms of binary um, and I think I, I don't want to talk about in terms of binary because like should we or shouldn't we kind of questions it's like when should we when when <laughs> shouldn't we and to what degree too mm-hmm. um, so uh, yeah I don't know. That, 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 that's, that's a really interesting thing. Uh, Jeff, I think you have something to say. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it comes down to like how, how active do you want to be within the, within the conversation? Cause I think everybody 
who can see will have a passing opinion on a piece and they will make that what they assume to be like a, a informed conscious decision but it's more of a my favorite color is green i don't have any reason or basis for that i just like it but i'm going to say it was a decision to choose green just in the same way i'm going to choose to like this piece of art or this installation or whatever it might be and then that's fine. That's a surface level. That's fine. I think that can go for a big chunk of the population. But then there are those who will take it farther. And once you do, then you start to open yourselves up to these, these problematic words like good and bad. Because I think a bad scene can be depicted very well or very good. And that's where we start to struggle and see the limitations in those kind of descriptors. So what, that's kind of my that's my knee jerk that's kind of what happens well you, you know I, th I think you're talking about craft more than anything right now and that's one, one of the things i ask right at the beginning of any creative writing class or one of the things i say is like i can teach you craft but i can't really teach you art uh, oh i do yeah I, oh my god i kind of just i internalized it and then spat it back to you yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i didn't even do that no, no, that's <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think so. What, one of the things I also ask at the beginning of a poetry class is, "What is poetry?" And it's what I ask at the end too, because it's you know it's kind of a tricky thing. Just the very very basic concept is even that is is tricky, hard to wrap your head around. I've heard you give a one one sentence answer to that question. <laughs> what did I say? Uh, uh, oh, I don't know. Um, I, I I guess I saw it on Facebook. Someone said, "What is poetry?" And you. You had a pretty good answer, as I recall, but it, it was it was one of those things that it, it, it's a good answer, but it's also when you hear it, you're like, well, that's what the answer is on that particular test. Yeah. You know, it's not. Pro probably what I said was uh, that which is made more meaningful through the sound of the words as opposed to the, the ideas contained within the, the denotation. I think that is probably exactly what you said. That sounds very familiar. Yeah. And it's a great it's a great sentence, but yeah. it's also a, uh, it it's also short. a word. Yeah, it's yeah. a word package. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. It falls short, and it, I don't know. Poetry can be so many things, and, and um, I've seen. Um, I don't know. Po uh, we get into the subjectivity of, of things with poetry really quickly because, like, my wife, who. Uh, has no patience for poet voice and has no patience for uh, poetry that gets, uh, she likes her poetry to be accessible and doesn't give a shit about no highfalutin uh, deep imagery or uh, surrealism, it, it, especially if the surrealism seems to be surrealism for its own sake. Um, she wants to know what the hell you're talking about. And I think that is a valid uh, approach to a poem. And it's not one that is shared by everyone. Uh, it's not one that I I'm, I love. Uh, I'm not sure how much deep image stuff I, I really want to read in a day. But I'm great with, well, I, I'll read a, a whole book of surreal poetry this afternoon if I have the time. That'd be fine by me. Do you, do you mean like purple, like purple poetry? Like uh, purple prose? I, I, I've heard that in like whenever they discuss the romantics. I feel like that's kind of where we started to see that, where it's with, like with powder, deep image, or... the, the deep image, or like the real extended image, where 
the story is lost to the description of the forest whereas we really just need to know about this tree because the main character is walking towards it yeah, i'm thinking like, more there, about like james wright lying in a hammock um i'm not familiar with that oh uh, uh the, the the lying in a hammock uh on a farm in pine island minnesota if i'm getting that one right and it's this beautiful poem that describes you know uh you know the 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 copper butterfly, you know, its wings floated gently on the on the black bark of a tree, and I think we're last, talking about the same thing. The droppings of last year's horses, you know, blaze up like golden stones, and all these beautiful, <laughs> beautiful images. And then he kind of ends it with, uh, "I have wasted my life," and <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think we're talking about the same thing. Okay, like, maybe I think it's just the unnecessary, ex excessive where's the purpose or does it detract from the purpose yeah um sometimes matt, it could be done intentionally or not that's all matt you had something on that yeah well i mean i think that you know your thoughts are real uh your words are real these things objectively exist you know whether they're accurate is a completely different question and it is only the arrogance and vanity of of, of humanity that makes you ask questions as to whether or not your finite mind can capture the infinite like <laughs> your thoughts are real and of course it's not accurate of course it's inaccurate <laughs> the universe is enormous there's no possible way you could have accurately captured anything you know i mean the, the question to me really um because things are constantly changing so there's absolutely no way you can done you could have done any more than, than possibly had an interpretation of a snapshot of of what is, I mean, so, I mean, like to ask the question is like, is objective or subjective? It, it's objective in the nature that you thought of it, that your thought is objective. Your thought is an objective thing that happened. Um, not, not dissimilar to the phlegm in your body or the blood in your veins or anything like that. The idea that your thought somehow transcends like the stars and the mountains and the sky and the moon, get the fuck out of here. But the other thing, but the thing that 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 uh, that that, that, quite, that I I wonder when I contemplate this thing, is is something plausible, right? And uh, and I don't that that to me doesn't judge whether or not the work is good or not. I'm just curious as a human being, is it plausible? So, you know, for that I kind of like venture outside of art or venture to people who may be artists but also other things uh, with these questions I have. So, J John, I'd like to ask you a question, right? There's a movie called The Bear made in the 1980s. Have you seen this movie, The Bear? No, I haven't. So there's, movie like about these, so there's a little bear and a big bear, right? And, and, and they're being hunted. And the little bear uh, loses uh, the, their parent, the mother, um, and finds this big bear. And, uh, and, then, and then the little bear dreams about frogs. And I'm kind of wondering, do bears, like, what is the accuracy of this movie? And, like, how, how do bears dream and how vividly? Well, uh, I, I believe all mammals dream. Okay. Um, uh, and you know what they dream about this it's always up in the air um it uh, bears um on one level are about as intelligent as a five-year-old is the way I've, I've heard it described um so like when you're dealing with a bear you're not dealing with like some people treat bears like they're vikings uh on their way to a glorious death through battle it's not what they are they're five-year-olds who want candy um right and that's, that's the way you've got to treat a bear um, you know, uh, but I, 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 that, that's kind of a weird comparison to make because a, a child has different capacities than a bear does. And so 
we, we know that most mammals dream, but the question is what they dream of. Are they constructing dreams out of memory uh, and symbol the way we are? Uh, don't, don't know. I watched my, my dog dream. She's got a lot of nightmares. Um, and she's got more nightmares than any dog I've ever had, but she also comes from a place of abuse. So just sort of anecdotally, I think she's probably constructing dreams out of memory. But I, I don't know. You know, there's no way for me to, to, to be sure about that. So I don't know. Okay, how can we know what a bear dreams? I'm not, Ken and I were just talking because it's, um, you know, it's, it's crazy days, which is why we're talking about objective reality now. Uh, and we were having a discussion about our dreams last night. And I, I had, uh, I, I fell back asleep for an hour and I had the most complex uh, science fiction dystopian dream I've ever had in my life. And it was had so many different parts, and I don't know what it means, and I don't think I, I have access to, to I, I don't think it's possible for me to know what it means. And I think the question, what, what does it mean, is, is also wrong. So I, I can't tell you that for myself. I can't, sure, sure as hell can't tell you that for a bear. <laughs> the bear also uh, is about to, like, confront this guy, and instead of killing him, he just kind of throws dirt in him like this. Is, is that is that anything in bear life like that indicating that like this conflict is over? He, he, was, he was flicking dirt at it. Well, it's kind of like he was like, you know, you know, was roaring at him, and then like uh, he stopped, like you know, because but it seemed a lot like in a movie, you know, in a movie yeah. where, the, where the protagonist like I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you, and they finally catch up to the guy they're going to kill, and then they don't kill him, and yeah. it's like supposed to be deep. Like I kind of felt like they did that with the bear, <laughs> you know. What, what I'd like to tell movie makers is, is um, especially video games, like, like bears and people are two different things. <laughs> what? For motivations, right? Uh, you just but, throw the armor on them and they're ready to go. You're <laughs> telling me they don't sing and dance with children in the jungle? Still are you telling me there are no bears in the jungle? You said yeah, but bitch, you're ruining right. my childhood. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'll stop. Uh, so, so, yeah. Um, uh, so, what kind of bear was it? Kodiak. Okay, so I don't know much about the Kodiaks, um, but uh, a, a, a black bear goes through, but a, a black bear is completely different than Kodiak. Black bear is a prey bear, Kodiak is a predator bear, right? Uh, a black bear will go through these different things, start off, if he gets a little bit upset, he'll start to, to sort of huff. No, no, I'm sorry, he'll start with by clicking his, his teeth, clicking a jaw. And so you're a click, click, and that's like, oh, okay, so let me back off a little bit. And then if he goes farther, he'll start to huff. He'll start to... Right, right. <laughs> So that's, so, that's, so that's kind of feel about art and the kind of question of objectivity versus subjectivity is like, is this artistic piece informed by expertise, right? Mm. Do you know something of which you speak and like, have you informed it with that? Or am I just looking at something that um, superficially knows the information, but is like delving deep into some like larger statement about things that, that so it does not matter, like that this, this, this person has not necessarily researched 18th century something fill in the blank right it, it we're really looking at is is is, is um is like how we treat one another you know when yeah we're in I, I think that movie that you watched is is a movie about a person in a bear suit um but e- even if it is you know that, that's okay is they're going for truth with a capital t and they're trying to tell us tell us right. something as long as we don't say oh yeah well sharks hunt people from jaws you know and Right. Etc. Cetera, et cetera. Uh, right, right, right. Because that, that's that's an irresponsible fantasy that actually has real life consequences, right? Yeah. yeah. So this thing with the bear, I mean, it's 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 okay. So it, 
where I'm getting, what I'm getting at, I'm, 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 not, I'm, not, I'm not just trying to be like funny or, or take this no. out of the room. I was kind of just using to set the, the, part, the point I really want to make, which was that, you know, like, the, you know, this question of like, do bears dream? Do bears kick dirt? Do bears do these exact kind of things? Is that a realistic uh, 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 look at a bear? Or is this how, by using a bear instead of another human being, is this how like life interact? You know, I'm saying like, this is, are these are thinking minds like interact. Um, you're able to kind of like contemplate these questions uh, in, a, in a different kind of way because it's a bear, it's not a human being. So it's like, it, it takes away some of these certain elements of it. So you can see like this bear caring for the young and, and all those kinds of things. So maybe this becomes like a contemplation of mammalian life. Maybe I'm like, I'm being like, I'm using kind of a, a mammal lens, <laughs> like mammal privilege or something like that, or mammal can't be outside of the mammalian experience. Um, but but <coughs> that seems something about like, you know, life um, by using a bear. So then the question, like this question of like, well, do bears really do that? You know, it's kind of like when people got mad at Braveheart because like, that's not a good fight scene or something like that. Well, I mean, that's not what Braveheart's about. I mean, you can say Braveheart's not a very good movie if you don't like it. For me, I, I, don't, I don't even remember Braveheart, but like, you know, but, but that's not really the problem with Braveheart. If there are problems to be found, that you know, like, you know, that's the wrong kilt or that's the wrong, I mean, I don't know. I mean, who am well, I well, Yeah, okay, so like the movie 300, mm. th those people survived because they remained in the turtle formation. Right, right. And the movie 300, they break out of it constantly. Like, right. so. And they were armored head to toe, not just at the, at the. That's at right. The, the line, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, it wasn't a helmet and a shield; it was full bronze. Yeah, I'm guessing also that the Persians didn't have uh, goat hybrid people who were playing musical instruments. In the <laughs> no, that was totally accurate. We have the bone there. <laughs> also, there probably were no orcs, and when you took off the monster masks, there were no monsters underneath. <laughs> you know, I just you want to say real quick: this Don't is actually uh, this has nothing to do with our conversation. But I'm going to say real quick: 300, the movie, is the only graphic novel adaptation I've ever seen that is more comic booky and full of shit than the comic book it's adapting. The comic book uh, the comic book is, I'm not going to say historically accurate, but there are no fucking goat people. There are no monsters <laughs> in the comic book. It's just dudes. Oh, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, but uh, that's, uh, let's roll it back to, let's get yeah, back on but, task. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so uh, 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 what is the duty of truth then is i think the, the question that you're asking what tr what role does truth play is it okay to get the facts wrong as long as you're getting a, a larger emotional truth well i mean the best example of that to me is amadeus right uh -huh. yeah that probably never happened like I mean, yeah. the, the fact of the matter was like the real story is that Salieri was actually very supportive of amadeus like he like his money and shit that's, and like, his that's reality. absolutely adored him right that's reality but like, what a great film! What a great story! What a great, you know, what a what a great thing about jealousy! What a great thing about, um, what a great film about, you know, the, the desire to be, you know, the the the, the you know, the, the aspirations for greatness and like mm -hmm. you see it yeah. in someone else and feel like. I mean, I think there's a, I, you know, that's a variety, you know, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. That's a tough, uh, that's a tough call to make. I mean, when you're uh, talking about Amadeus, that is a work that is centuries after these people are dead, right? Versus, uh, the, what was it? Oh, for God's sake. Titanic. James Cameron's Titanic. Where um, uh, he had a couple, uh, he, he had a couple people, there were a couple characters in that movie who had the names, uh, the actual historically accurate names of the people they were playing. 
uh, and he assigned choices to them that we can never know. But their families are still hanging out in Ireland. Like, why are you talking shit about great grandpa? And uh, I mean, I I don't want to I don't want to suggest that your question was asking about libel or <laughs> slander or whatever. But uh, is it okay to get some things wrong in search uh, of a greater truth? Yes, I think. Uh, unless you're doing some sort of harm to the memory of someone who's got living real I don't know it's yeah I mean Salieri's living relatives never knew him they're not gonna have strong opinions you know there's there's a difference there I'm, I'm, I'm watching a TV show or I've done it actually I binged it and they only got one season it's called the great it's about uh, Catherine the Great, and the subtitle is an occasionally true television show. Nice, <laughs> and it's That's about perfect. yeah, it's a, it really it, it's it's funny and um, disturbing because right? she's plotting the death of her husband, and you know her husband's the monster. Okay, um, I think there's a clear thing that's happening whenever like we anthropomorphize. Uh, like a bear to act like a human or to have those interactions that are outside of what's, what's expected in nature like what we would pattern what we would see by following and, and making a pattern based on like just viewing the bear in its natural state or anything in that mat for that matter <clears throat> is like this ideal idea that we are stuck to uh, appeals to authority or appeals to the smarter people who know this subject matter. It's like arguing with your professor. Uh, do we assume that they are always right and what they are telling you is true based on the catalog of their, their, their degrees and where they've been and how long they've been doing it? Or are we allowed to challenge that? And art is cool because the professor's not there. It's just this person who has constructed this thing that we assume is correct or their version of correct. And then like, think of any like Joseph Scott Coe novel, their book that she's written where she is taking some liberties to discuss a true crime. Did you call her Joseph? Joe Scott Coe. Did I say Joseph? Yeah. My bad, Joe right. Scott Coe. Um, Just want to get her name right. The lady from Riverside. Yeah. Um, her. So when she writes like the, the school shooter school shooter or the I think the her later one was the the Ma priest, uh, the Catholic mass. priest. Yeah, mass. Yeah. Um, she is going to take some liberties, but we have already agreed based on the first sentence that she's truthful enough to get us there to that conclusion that we trust is accurate and and enough to satisfy. So I think there's like a commitment that we make and a, like a judgment call that has to happen when we are going to accept art. But when we are stuck in that, like, oh my God, it's not true to life. How can I enjoy it? We are missing something really big, like the, the poetic license, all the fun shit that can go with, yes, I know bears don't act like this, but I'm portraying a bear because this person is like a bear to me and yada 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 or whatever the substance or syntax might be okay i, I want to complicate this a little bit sure. uh because um <clears throat> people when they when the bears are, are i don't know how we got in bears but i i, I like I can it i'll tell you exactly how we got on bears the movie the bear <laughs> oh that's right 
So bears are, are portrayed as being one thing and uh, exceptionally violent all the time, right? And so when people come to Sequoia, they're dealing with black bears, which are prey bears. And the way you get a, get a, a prey bear killed is by acting as though, as though it's a predator. And people will do things like back away and let them have the food and doing all this stuff. And it, it, they were up to a, a period when it's like they were having to put down 35 bears a year. Oh um, yeah, yeah, it was awful. Um, and uh, when, what you should really be doing is when bears get into to your food area, you scare them away, right? That's, that's what you, you should do with a, with a black bear because it's a prey bear. Um, but all they did, or they, they hired a new bear tech and her, what she's focusing on is educating visitors and they've gotten to the point where they almost never have to put down a bear anymore. That's fantastic. Uh, they're kind of undoing the damage of, of the of uh, the mythology of bear. Uh, right. Both are appeals to authority, though. One suggests if you, if all bears are predator bears, then you, you you're essentially just you're you're going to be the prey of the bear because it is a it is going to it's a predator. The, the other, it just shows the, I think this was discussed before we started recording, I'm not sure, so I apologize, but the idea that stuff changes, people grow, uh, the, the rings of Saturn are discovered not to be gas, but rather debris uh, stuck in some uh, gravitational pull. You know, knowledge can change and that appeal to authorities remains the same vehicle, but just that, that, that authority changes, you know, it, that, that makes it challenging for, for me because it, it, it's, it's you understanding that this is as much as we know right now and what we know even might not be right as you just showed with bears no longer being killed on average 35 a year with this new technique of describing, well, in actuality, you don't need to do X, Y, and Z. You just need to make a lot of noise and that'll save the bear's life and it'll save your life. Yeah. Is that, am I on... Am I anywhere yeah. close? Well, uh, uh, yeah, except I'm going to add this. Nobody gets killed by black bears. No, nobody in the history of Sequoia has been killed by a black bear. Uh, Why were they putting them down then? Um, because they're doing things like scaring people. So they'll do things like rip door, doors off cars, and they'll get close to people. One guy woke, woke up, and a bear was licking his face. Um, didn't, didn't realize it was a guy, apparently, and he just had a messy face. Um, you know, probably someone got sloppy drunk and left some fudge on his face or something. Uh, you know, things like that. And so it's really scary, but they're not, they're not really actually going to out to hurt you. So what's the new tactic? Like what is, what has changed? So uh, the, the technique has always been the same. It's just letting people know what the technique is. If a bear enters the human area, you chase them away, just yell at them. Um, because, because we are predators, they are prey and they know that they're terrified of us. Um, oh, so, oh, okay. 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 So the fact that there was a disservice done where we treated all bears as these scary monsters that will come and attack us no matter what, predators, the misconception wasn't like a, it was just a mass appeal. This is what you see in the movies. This is where, this is how bears are, right? But yeah. in reality, a true appeal to authority would be this woman who insists on instructing individuals on, you know, the nature of black bears and the fact that they won't. Uh, attack you uh, as such, then you know you are the predator in that situation. So that is interesting. That, that clarification helps a lot, actually. Yeah. What I just want to say real quick, I'm going to go back, going back to the other thing we we're talking about, which was Salieri and Amadeus. 
you know, but it's interesting. Is, is, is it that Salieri's been dead for so long? And that's why it doesn't seem as weird? Or is it that Salieri doesn't really have that huge a fan base? That there's no, like, there, that we don't feel a moral outcry. For instance, if you were to, like, tell, like, if you were to make some historical fiction about, let's say, the relationship between, or the professional relationship between uh, Leo Tolstoy and Fyodor Dostoevsky, and you created some fiction wherein Dostoevsky was, you know, not a wealthy man like Tolstoy, so he, like, stole all his silverware one day, right? So he could go get drunk, right? Like, people would be kind of outraged, right? You know, like, that never happened. Dostoevsky never stole Tolstoy's silverware to get drunk and, and go to the brothel, right? I feel like that could happen, you know, <laughs> given, given, like, what they both wrote, but I don't, I, I, I don't think that happened. Well, you, you know, know what? like so, I feel because because Dostoevsky has a fan base, a passionate one, and Salieri doesn't, right? This question um, is that accurate? I feel like to be more, um, you know, if you, if if this is if it's like a scale of uh, a scale, right? The, the 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 weight of historical accuracy would somehow matter more because now you're dealing with someone that that, okay. that has a fan base. So I I don't think it's a moral question. So, yeah, something else is going on. Yeah, you know, if it was moral, it'd be universal. So, I don't think it's moral. I think it's a question of the weight, the weight of the names. Okay, Amadeus is huge. Salieri is forgotten. I don't think moral is universal, though. I think moral is like the most esoteric, one of the most esoteric practices. Okay, I think a perfectly good expert would be Ken here, who just released a book about Van Gogh and wrote about Van Gogh. It must have dealt with these kinds of questions. Questions about who he really was or what the issues are or in his, in his art or as a person. Is that yeah. I mean, you as a psychiatrist, psychologist, I'm sorry. Uh, people must've been looking to you and say, well, give us the, the truth about Van Gogh's psychology. And that's, I don't think a possibility. That's uh, a, a perfectly phrased question because the reason I got asked to do the book the guy said, you're a, an artist who's a psychologist. So, so you tell me, you know, do, do a project on this guy. You know, we all want to know what was really wrong with him. Well, the, the issue was not what was wrong with him. The issue was what was right with him. Because he, he managed to overcome all of these obstacles, most of which had to do with the public's reactions to their preconceptions of what Mandis is and the risk it presented to them. And they sort of um, ignored his work at the time because of that. And it is sort of like I'm, I'm doing a little bit of looking into a, a mystic who painted around about the same time, Hilma of Clint and Olde Hilma was brilliant and she was doing highly abstracted paintings and history has ignored her because she was a woman and they claim that Kandinsky who came 10 years later was the first abstract artist and it's wrong and it has to do with perceptions on the basis of all manner of preconceptions one preconceptions I'd like to interject into your bear argument is the following, um, and you use the, the image of, it's actually a guy in a bear costume. And I would like to suggest that 
that we know as little about what the bear's thinking about, his motivations, his thoughts, or his dreams, even if it's a person inside the bear costume. The, the big mystery isn't what do animals think? The big mystery is what the hell's going on inside the head of any of us? Because none of us know. We, we make some guesstimates on the basis of historical knowledge or um, psychological knowledge, or we make, the, we, make, we make guesses on the basis of their behavior and what we can predict, but we don't know. I don't know, John, I don't know if you ever had a dream. Not in the sense that I experienced dreams. And I don't know if any of us has any idea what goes on subjectively inside between the ears of, of any of us. It, it, it is basically a bigger mystery than what made the universe. You know, we're not in a position to do anything more than make bases, guesses on the basis of, of uh, predictability. You're, you're talking about perception, perception of reality? Everything. Yeah. You, what, we, what, we, what we can pretty much agree on is if I'm walking through a room, a darkened room in the middle of the night backwards, and I trip over something, and that something says, hey, then I can figure there was a person there, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. At least a body, at least one that makes noises. Yeah. Well, there's plenty of discussion. That, uh, apparently, it's still open for debate what a person is. But uh, exactly. um, we really don't know. And that's where the arts come in just as relevant as hard science. Because... It's speculation. So, so, so Kendall, but Kendall, think about this. So you write a book about Vincent Van Gogh. Now you get the basic read upon details of his life for which you were not there. This is like multiple sources said this happened and this happened and this happened, right? So that is to the best of your knowledge and the best of general knowledge accurate. And after that, you interpret what these things meant. Like he did this because he felt this way, he felt that way. Evidence suggests what he that this is his motivation for time to do it, right? Someone mm -hmm. reads your book and then they go off and say, Vincent definitively state Vincent Van Gogh did this for this reason. And now that becomes that becomes like the perception mm -hmm. of of these people. Now, what I would argue is that that perception may not be accurate. But it is real. It is objective because it because because it exists in the human mind and outside of it. It exists not only in the human mind, but in the space in between people's communication, right? So it exists in the in the weird way that that words exist, right? Because like, at least we agree that it exists. Because like, object, I mean, like reality is a word. Like reality is a word, and words are just words are signifiers. Words are words. They're not like they're not like they're not this, you know. Um, they're not my hand. They're not my hand lifting the lamp. You know, the, my hand lifting the lamp is a sentence. Like, that's something else. So, like, I think that, like, but, you know, when we, when we ask the question, is, is it objective? I think anything that's real is objective. Like, it really exists. And, like, this question of, of, of subjectivity, like, everything is at once, a, a, 
it's, it's objective and subjective. I mean, our interpretations, even if accurate, are still subjective. Mm-hmm. Even if they, they, they can capture a piece of accuracy, they're still subjective because they're still that we can, we, our thoughts can never be like, our thoughts are objective in their existence, even if they're wrong. You know, you know what I mean? Even if they're emotionally informed, even if they're all the things that we would typically call subjective, they are objective because they exist. And even when we're right, we're still subjective. And we're subjective because we're the ones that thought of it. You know, you know, does that, does that make sense? Even being even more accurate. So yeah. I think the whole way that we can with the whole way that we approach, like, is this true or the truth or this or that, um, speaks to this idea that we can somehow know things that we simply cannot know, like at all, like I at all. I, I would I would agree with you all the way up to the where you drew the line and say beyond that we cannot know, and I say well you can't verify it perhaps in the normal way we verify things. And you might not have 10,000 Frenchmen, Frenchmen agreeing with you as they run towards the cliff, you know. Um, but you're talking about the politics of perception. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, I'm on board. You know, I've got a, a good, good story here about Douglas Adams. Um, and everybody knows, like, he, he was asked, what's the meaning of life? And he said 42, that his book says that meaning of life is 42. But what's great about that, what most people don't know, is that um, he was a computer program uh, programmer. Mm-hmm. And the computer program that he used had a, it had an asterisk as represented number 42. And the asterisk is a va- variable. So what he's really saying to the world is the meaning of life is anything you needed to be at the moment. Which is, I think, a, a really, really kind of wonderful thing to say. But also gets into this idea of there's no way to know these these kinds of, of larger things. I think that's what uh, your hero, Viktor Frankl, yeah. says, that, that if a person is kept alive by something, that is the meaning of life for that person. That's what gives his life meaning. Um, it doesn't mean that there's anything that anybody else had experienced remotely like it or that it, we could even verify <laughs> that if he says X is true, then there is an X. Um, we, we can't verify any of that. We can't know that in any sense that even approximates objectivity other than just sheer weight of numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and if you've got, if, if you've got 3 million people in the United States who agree that the meaning of life is 42, then et voila. You've got it. Well, I think what Frankl is saying is the concept of objectivity can be really dangerous as well. Exactly. It it depends on how we use it. The concept of religion has proven itself to be absolutely deadly for large numbers of people. Yeah. And if we were to talk about conditions of dangerousness as being the grounds for for outlawing certain things, then we Mm -hmm. ought to outlaw God forthwith. And no yeah. matter how much polyester you wear, you're still going to end up killing more people believing in it than not believing in it. And you're starting to shit with a lot of people, Ken. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like didn't a French teacher just get their head chopped off in uh exactly for yeah. for, for religious talking reasons. just talking about the depictions exactly. of their god? Exactly. You know, I I agree with the sentiment, but in practice it's how many wars have been fought already? Yeah. Uh, between just X or A and B, 
fill it in whichever one you want to fit. Well, I, I'm really interested in this concept of like the investment, though. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to be stuck on this this thing, but but about Dostoevsky stealing spoons from Tolstoy. See, now I said it, now it's real. Um, but like, but but like, so for instance, like you're writing this book about Van Gogh, and there's so many more people invested in Van Gogh than um, what's his roommate's name? Well, what was it? the guy who was? Yeah, no, his name's roommate. Gauguin or something? Go. Yeah, go on. Yeah, Gauguin was, but there's more people who like Gauguin than Van Gogh. But the argument will work either direction. Okay, well, I'm, well, I'm saying, I mean, like, if you were to, like, go down the street and, like, poll people who have um, a, a passing interest in art, more people would know Van Gogh. I mean, maybe because it was in a song in the 60s. I don't know why. But, like, I think that there's, I, I mean, I would think that, like, just general popular culture, like Van Gogh is a, a larger figure, right? I would um, agree with that. It's, it's, a, it, it depends on the crowd you're talking to. But, okay. But but yeah, I'll go with that. There's more people who listen to McLean's Starry Starry Night than than ever looked at a Van Gogh. I mean, I, or Van Gogh or or Gauguin, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so what? But the only the only thing I'm trying to say is that just like um, so there'd be more people invested in you like getting the story, quote unquote, right with Van Gogh than with um than Gauguin. But I mean, maybe 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 I need maybe something more obscure. I don't, I don't know, like um. No, that's a good one. That's a good example because the issue is, you know, what's right. Um, if I can make a more convincing, more satisfying uh, story that inspires more people to go on to individual greatness, then of course it's right. Well, here, well let's say like, here, let's say a story came out about uh, Diego Rivera, right? Mm -hmm. And in it, it also had um, you know the, uh, his contemporaries. Uh, like uh, Skeros and Orozco, uh, uh, right? Yeah. Um, and they didn't get the details of Skeros or Orozco's life quite right. Very, not to say very few, less people would care than if they got the uh, the details of Diego Rivera's life inaccurate, because there's more. I guess, what does that mean? What's the point? The point, the point is a level of investment. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, so okay. I'm getting back to Salieri, right? Yeah. So Tim mentions that, you know, like, well, Salieri's been dead for a long time, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. I'm saying you can go back and find people who've been dead for a long time, too. Like, if you, if you like, if you, if you're like talking about like William Shakespeare and like, uh, with, with Marlowe, like that, and you like just kind of like have a haphazard kind of whatever with Marlowe and you, you make him a degenerate, you make him, you make him like whatever, uh, you know, people aren't going to care as much as if you like, if you present, a displeasing portrait of William Shakespeare to them, and those guys have been yeah. Dangerous. Unless you're lecturing at Oxford University, <laughs> and then there'll be a lot of agitation. <clears throat> um, you're so you're right. It is investment. It's well, investment. It's, it's not just like in this abstract morality about like about, about this or that. It's it's, it's an investment in, in people uh, for for various reasons. I'm not I'm not even saying like this one was great and this one was not for various reasons. You know. You know, it's interesting. I there was a there was a there were two Wyatt Earp movies that came out probably twenty years ago, twenty five years ago. Tombstone and and Wyatt Earp, and uh, the Kevin Costner movie Wyatt Earp. Uh, I I just happened to have read like I don't know a book and a half on Wyatt Earp. <clears throat> One of them happened to be legal papers about the Earp family. I think it was called the Earp papers and it was like you know newspaper clippings and court rulings and shit like that and uh, 
there's never there's no uh photograph of Wider even holding a gun to the best of my knowledge and uh he was apparently famous for uh when he was sheriff walking around unarmed and uh, occasionally clubbing people over the back of the head but uh yeah, as, as a, in terms of legendary gunman, he wasn't really, what we know of him doesn't reconcile with the legend, right? And so there was a scene in the Wyatt Earp movie, the Kevin Costner Wyatt Earp movie, where he's as a young man, uh, walks into a saloon, and then there's a prostitute who's, I think, played by Tia Leone, and they're obviously starstruck. And, and, uh, and then there's a fight that ensues, and a guy pulls a gun out and then someone else shoots the guy dead. And, and then we just see like fireworks going off as Wyatt Earp is like, you know, holding this gun and he just keeps drawing it up and looking at it against the night sky. It's very romantic. And, um, you know, an American man and his gun, God damn it. I was surprised they didn't start making love on the spot. But the point being, it offended me oh, to my, it that's offended purely, me. That's accurate. <laughs> it offended me to my core, not because First of all, it's a silly depiction of a man, you know, discovering the power of the gun, but it also, you know, completely shits on, at the time I would have said it completely shits on what we know to be true of Wyatt Earp, but now I'm just saying it completely shits on the narrative I've constructed in my head based on two sources of what I know to be true of Wyatt Earp, and, um, I, don't, I maybe I'm full of shit. from that from that point of view. Do you feel comfortable writing a document or a book similar to Ken's in scope on Wyatt Earp, or would you feel like you need to do some more research and come at this from a few more angles before you could speak with any authority on the to, subject? Because you're going to change a, it. To write a book about Wyatt Earp, I would need to do considerable considerable more research. To talk shit about that movie, I'd need to know about half as much as I currently do. Exactly. So it's easy to form an opinion. It's hard to be an authority. And I think we yeah. get we get mixed up with that. And it's too easy to, to fake it, yeah. show it, and then everyone will say, oh, it, he said that. He's this jerk. And and I don't know too much about the subject. And I never really cared about uh, the books. But didn't um, the J.K. Rowling get into trouble with trying to like redesign characters or put stuff in that wasn't, you know, widely known about the character beforehand. And like now, if we're talking about, if we're talking about the most recent movies, the, 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 what is it? Extraordinary creatures or whatever. Then yes, uh, she's done a lot of ret, uh, retroactive continuity, which has offended people. And that's right. as much as I know. And, okay. So just retroactive continuity changes alone really warps the authority that the author has on the subject and this is complete fiction we can mm -hmm. all agree that van gogh existed but to, to align better with the shakespeare example what if the movie showed shakespeare as like 12 dudes that met in this bar that was called the spear that shakes and and, and we have no record of it other than these 12 dudes all decided to write very similarly and and that's a that's a, a supposition I've heard on you know crackpottheory.com uh, of of who Shakespeare really was. Yeah, it it, it belies your hand. It 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 shows the, all the cards. So you you have to become an authority within your the realm of the discourse that you're trying to to really change or shape. That's the only way it happens, I think. That's one way it happens. I could think of a few other words. That's an Sorry. interesting point. 
Okay. I don't know well, if any of that's accurate or in alignment with what was said. Sorry. I, I, I think as we expected, we've gotten uh, kind of nowhere uh, in terms of <laughs> figuring out objective truth. But I, I mean, love that follow-up, uh, John. That's, that's real good for the old encouragement. <laughs> but I, think, I think that needs to become the new uh, the new promotional slug for the podcast. Oh, man, let's rechange it. Like Going, going nowhere, nowhere as expected. <laughs> John, that's a long title. You love long titles. I love long titles. Uh, but, you know, I mean, if you're going to try to figure out the nature of objective reality with five dudes in a Zoom room over half an hour, you, you, you're going to have to, right, you can pose questions, but I don't think you can get answers. Um, you know what's fact checking? I want to have a whole part two of this just talking about objective reality, walking around out in the world and having conversations, <laughs> not about art, but about... Anything, anything concrete, anything that seems concrete, healthcare, um, you know, the missing 545 parents, whatever, uh, and, and how all of this is up for grabs. Um, Let's do it next week. That's great. I'm down. That'd be fine. And I want to make a, a morality play where one of the characters is named Objective Reality and uh, <laughs> walks around like Beckett style going, you can't know me. Try. You should name every character that like suffrage. Should be like women's uh, voters, like women, like women voters, and uh, we could have uh, like capitalists who are just you know money grubbers. And oh yeah, let's do it. Let's do it all. Let's yeah. just, everyone will hate us. <laughs> we can call religious. Them, we, can, we can title the work caricature. <laughs> oh, oh, that'll be perfect. This is this is the way Nietzsche wrote novels, right? Yeah, I, I once wrote a I once wrote a poem by like Magnum PI hunting down Tom Selleck, the water thief. <laughs> oh yeah, I need to get back to you on that. Yeah, yeah Tom Selleck is a water thief. So like, I love that idea, man. But yeah, so it was like, but it's like the the Magnum PI within us all, and the, and the Tom Selleck water thief within us all. So it's like you're hunting yourself, you know. I, I, I just want to see uh, Magnum pulling a gun to Tom Selleck, saying, "Did you see the sunrise?" And uh, <laughs> And you, you only fully get that if you really invest in that show. Yeah, you really out-referenced me. Yeah, well, uh, that, that's uh, uh, Magnum commits a murder in episode uh, two of season three. Uh, and that's the question he asked before he commits the murder. Uh, so that, that, That's really dark. I thought that show was about I thought that show was about just the guy running around in his short shorts. Oh, yeah, no. Every once in a while it gets really, really, really dark. And he's also wearing short shorts. Huh. Yeah. Beating hookers in short shorts. That's well, like that's what we got. I don't think you read that, but uh, you know. I'm not oh. gonna watch. I'm not gonna watch another well, minute of that show well, ever. But that's fascinating, and, and there's a part of me who has infinite time who wants to. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we were gonna do a, uh, a podcast on it, but that kind of fell through. Uh, yeah, that happens. I think. Yeah. I think probably no, about you wanting to do a podcast. What motivated me to to, to write this poem? Because I don't think about doing things. I do them. Oh. Without expertise, I just don't <laughs> anything about Magnum PI. But you're talking about doing that. I'm like, did you know that Tom Selleck was a water thief? And none of you knew he was a water thief. So I'm like, I'm going to write about Tom Selleck as Magnum PI hunting down the water thief and how it's the... all. You know, how there's a water thief within us all. <laughs> I think 50% of the best podcasts never got made. <laughs> I think that's, that's okay. probably true. 
this this is a good place to stop because um, because there is no end to this question. So that's true. Nope. So we'll see you all next time. Alrighty. Thank you.